What if God told you who you are? That in him there is no condemnation. No judgment. No rejection. What if God told you that he loves you? And that he will never stop loving you. What if God told you? That he doesn't keep a log of past offenses. Of how little you pray. Or how often you've disappointed him. What if he told you that you are righteous? Because of his righteousness. Right now. What if he told you to stop beating yourself up? That his grace for you abounds. Even when you think the most horrible thoughts. Because you are already made in his image. What if he told you that if you repent, and if he's your savior, you're going to heaven? No matter what. What would your life look like then? If you stop trying so hard. And just let God live his life through you. Grace. Mercy. Forgiveness. Salvation. Redemption. Through Jesus Christ. Our Savior. We are loved. We are saved. Now let's live it like we know it. All right, let's live like we know it. That's what we're going to talk about today. How to live like we know it. How to live like our faith is real. When we're, God calls us all to represent him. And when you represent a king, you are called, would you read this with me? Say ambassador. Ambassador, Ambassador, that's what God calls us all to be. Hopefully that's one of the great goals of your life. I know that's the chief goal of my life is at the end of it, I want to look back and say, God, I represented you well. I represented you where you put me in all stations of life, whether it's the highest of high or the lowest of lows. God needs people at all stations representing him. We're going to look at a scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 here. If you go to this next slide, and uh, this is Paul saying this, I am in chains now. So this is Paul at the lowest spot. He's actually in a dungeon, but notice his goal even in the lowest spot on earth, still preaching this message as, everybody say these words, say God's ambassador. Now, he wasn't preaching. He didn't have a pulpit to preach in. He's in prison. Preaching here is just Your life is the sermon. Your life is representing God. And that's what Paul wanted. That was his goal, was to represent God wherever God had him. And hopefully, that's your goal as well. Now, if you've opened up to Acts chapter 27, we're going to look at a story in Paul's life and just see how he represents Christ, how he represents God. And again, this is what God calls us all to. Hopefully, we're going to learn something as we apply this story to our life. We're going to read of, of Paul taking a little cruise. Don't you guys, wouldn't you like to go on a cruise, huh? Isn't that sound exciting, a cruise? Well, Paul's taken off on a little cruise here. Acts 27, start at the verse 13, the 13th verse. Paul's aboard this ship, and verse 13 says, when a light wind began blowing from the south. Doesn't that sound pleasant? Ah, a light wind from the south. A nice warm breeze brustling my hair making me look awesome. A light wind began blowing from the south. The sailors thought they could make it, so they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly. And a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster. You know, I gotta be honest. I I very seldom am I reading the Bible and I get a little bit bothered. But when I found out that they stole the name of our storm, that kind of bothered me. Really, a northeaster? That's our storm, isn't it? I mean, they're in the Middle East. They should call theirs the Middle Easter. (laughs) What do they know about a Northeaster? I mean, this this story ends with them on a sandy beach, for heaven's sakes. Come on. 
When we get to, when we get to heaven, we'll talk to Paul about real Northeasters, right? All right, well, let's read about their Northeaster and see how it compares. This Northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors could not turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island called Kauda, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. When your boat is being held together by ropes, you're in a tough spot. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. Notice that phrase, driven before the wind. The wind is completely in charge of their destination at this point. Does anybody ever feel like you're not in control of your destiny? Does ever, does it, you ever feel that way? Anybody like me want to be in control? You want everything neat in its box? Nothing out of order? We're going right where I'm planning, right? I'm in charge. Does your life ever, does a wind ever come along and take you slightly off course and you don't feel like you're in charge? Well, Paul and these people, there's 276 people aboard this ship and they had no illusion that they were in control here. The ship is being driven before the wind. Verse 18, the next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Now, this is what is making them money. This is how they're, you know, the ship is carrying this cargo. This is how they're earning income. So when men are throwing their money overboard, you know you're in a tough spot. Verse 19, the following day, they even took some of the ship's gear. Gear would be the, the stuff for sailing to keep the ship sailing straight. They no longer had concern about controlling this ship. They just didn't want it to sink. So they're doing everything over everything they can just to lighten this ship. Their only hope at this point was not to get where they wanted to go, but just to survive. So they're doing everything they can. They're throwing everything overboard to lighten the ship. I'm glad I wasn't there. They probably would have thrown me overboard. They were trying to lighten this ship. All right. Verse 20, the terrible storm raged for many days blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. All hope was gone. What a phrase. Have you ever felt that way? You ever felt like, oh man, it's been out of control too long. You know, you, you kind of convinced yourself that this thing was all going to work out the first week, the first month, but it's been out of control too long and you just, you just let go. You just, just lost hope. Well, that's where they were. Now, when you're in a spot like that, do you pray? Don't, don't we pray? Of course we pray. Do you, th- you think Paul was praying aboard this ship? I mean, he's the one who taught us to pray without ceasing. So, of course he's praying. What do you pray for when your life is being battered a little bit? What do you pray for? Well, if you're normal, what you pray for is help. What's normal is just to pray for my safety, I'm embarrassed as I look back on my Christian experience, how many years I went where that was pretty much the only prayer. I mean, I would occasionally pray for other people, but that was just kind of a side thing. But really, honestly, in this part, in this spot, all I'm thinking about is my safety, my life, my future, God help me. Well, we're going to see that Paul, as an amb- ambassador, 
he sees the world very differently. And I hope today that we start seeing our life and our world a little bit differently because until you start seeing your world the way Paul saw it, life's going to be very confusing. If your entire Christian experience is nothing more than thinking and believing that if you pray right and if your faith is just right, that God will levitate you above all storms. And that's how we're going to be an ambassador. As the world sees us lifted up above all of their problems, experiencing none of the problems they are, they will see us in our awesomeness. And they'll say, oh, I want to be like them. You know, that, that's a great theory. But does that ever work? Just think about your own life. We've all been in a hopeless situation before. When you see people who are at peace and living above you, do do you look at them and say, oh, no, you don't. You just kind of blow them off. Quite honestly, your perception, when you're in a storm, your perception is the whole world is is really unrelatable. Your your perception is everybody else in the world is fine. And quite, quite honestly, they kind of bug you right? Misery loves company, right? The only people you're really listening to and the people you can relate to are people who are in that storm with you. And if somebody can prove to you they have an answer to your problem, now them you will listen to. But, and that's exactly where Paul was. Paul was in the middle of the storm and of course he's praying, but he's praying a bigger prayer than just God save me. God make me look good. Paul, I think, has the perception. God, he knows God is always up to something bigger. Did you know that about your God? He's always up to something bigger. God wants something bigger than just saving these people from a storm, saving these people from sinking. God wants to save. There's there's a worse fate than going down in the ocean, and that worse fate is going down in eternity. Are you with me? And God is much more concerned about a billion years from now than he is the next 15 minutes. Our, you know, our, our life here, God wants us saved for eternity. And I think Paul knew that. Paul knew that was, that was the purpose of his life, was to be God's representative wherever he went. So of course he's praying. And the amazing thing about the story is God answers his prayer. How do we know God answers his prayer? Well, if you read on, an angel shows up to Paul. An angel comes and speaks to Paul while he's on the ship. Wouldn't that be awesome? Now, we know that when God sends an angel, of course, of course, when God answers and sends an angel, well, the obvious next thing that happens is the storm is over, right? The storm is over. All your problems are gone, right? Well, the shocking thing about the story is God answers. God sends an angel to speak to Paul. And here's the message the angel brings to Paul. The message is, take heart, Paul, be encouraged, You're going to make it, and God has granted you the safety, the lives of all these other people on board. You're all going to be safe. Now, if I were Paul in that spot, I'd be like, that's good news. That's really good news. I mean, thanks. Knuckles, awesome. Thanks, Thanks, Mr. Angel. Um, But, um, excuse me, excuse me, Mr. Angel. Um, Excuse me. Um, But did you notice that there's still a, like, wicked storm raging out there? And um, I was just wondering, you came from heaven, right? Yeah, I I thought so. Um, uh, There's another guy that came down from heaven just a few years ago. Uh, Jesus, yeah, you've met him, okay. Um, Well, when he was in a storm, he went up to the front of the ship and said, peace, be still. You you got any of that? No, none of that? You, you, You didn't bring any of that with you? 
well, could you go back up there and get some of that <laughs> and bring that down here? How many would rather have that than just a message that you're going to be okay? Isn't it kind of, it's honestly a little bit shocking when you just be honest and read the story and you're like, wait a minute, God sends an angel and he doesn't even stop the storm? The storm just keeps raging for another week? Really? Yeah, really. And you know what? I think Paul got it. And I think we need to get it. That God's always up to something bigger and God's always more concerned about eternity than he is right here and now. And God knows something that we should know that generally speaking, the only time God gets people's attention is when they're in a storm, usually. Doesn't have to be that way, but more often than not, human beings don't pay attention to God until they know good and well they're an inch from death. And then like, oh, hello, anybody out there? All of a sudden, well, friends, these people knew they were about an inch from death because they had gone, they went for over two weeks without even eating anything. 276 people hadn't eaten for two weeks. Why? Because they were so agitated. They were so, have you ever been that stressed out? That much of a basket case that your stomach won't even hold any food? That's where they're at. So these people are agitated. Now Paul comes and and he speaks to the people. You know, after this experience of this angel appearing to him, Paul goes and he talks, somehow gets all 276 people in the, you know, in the same spot so they can hear him and go down to verse 33. And Paul now, this is, again, into the journey. Paul is speaking now to the people after this angel has appeared. And verse 33, just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. And here, listen to what he says to them. Here's his sermon. By the way, before I read this, I think this is, if you judge based on audience participation, based on the attention of people, you probably have the best sermon in the history of the world right here. You talk about a captive audience. These people were hanging on Paul's words. I mean, they think they're going to die, and this guy's bringing a solution. Um, I had somebody after last service tell me that they fell asleep during service. So I think, I think Paul had their attention a little better than I had yours. Um, but just check this out. I mean, these people are so agitated and now Paul's speaking to them and he's bringing them an answer. He urged everyone to eat and says, you've been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks. Now, before I go on with this sermon, just, just a, a little aside. Can I take a side journey? Okay. Does anybody besides me put scriptures up on your fridge? I, I do. I, I like scriptures on my fridge. I'm about to give you the best scripture in all of the Bible to put on your fridge. Look at the last half of verse 33, or that that little part. Paul urged everyone to eat. Could you say that with me? Paul urged everyone to eat. Just cut that out. Put that on your fridge. Is that not awesome? Is, Is that the word of God or not? It's the word of God. Put that on your fridge. Every time you see it, Paul urged everyone to eat. Well, I don't really want to, but... Got to obey God. <laughs> Might be a, I don't know, mild misapplication there, maybe, but it's all the Bible. All right, let's keep going. Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried. He's now speaking to all these people. You've been so worried. You haven't touched, touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good. He's talking to them about their future, for your own good, something See, they had lost hope in the future. When you lose faith, you don't see a future. Maybe some of you are there right now. You don't see a future. 
Paul's talking, let's eat because there's a future. And we're going to need some strength because something's coming. Gang, this is preaching. And this is faith. Real faith, and you can feel it. Real faith comes into your heart and it will flip you. You can go from freaked out to peace just like that. Faith is the most powerful force on planet Earth. And when you get a whole, faith is just your connection to God. All of a sudden, God is real to you. All of a sudden, you realize, ah, God is with me. God is taking care of me. God's going to work this out. Paul's encouraging them. He's instilling faith into these people who've lost all hope. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. And then now he's preached the sermon. Now he's going to act on the sermon. Now he's going to live it out. Verse 35. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all. So stop right there. 276 people freaking out. Haven't eaten in two weeks. Paul takes a piece of bread and talks to him a little bit, tears off a chunk, and he prays. Now he's praying to God, but he's praying for their benefit. I promise you, this is the loudest prayer he's ever prayed. He's praying for their benefit. God, you are awesome. I'm so glad that you're with us. What an awesome storm, God. This is cool. And I'm so glad you're protecting us and keeping us. And God, I'm so glad we're going to be safe. Thank you for your protection. God, we've got a good future. Thank you for this good food. Dear Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let this food to us be blessed. <laughs> Don't we all have our little, our little dinner prayer, you know? Well, this was, uh, this was quite the dinner prayer. I don't know if I said what he said, but he was, it was something like that. Paul was praying for the benefit of these people. And while he's doing it, faith is just coming into their hearts. Gang, this is an ambassador. If you want to see what, what an ambassador does, gang, this little blue, I hope you're wearing one of these. This little blue band, send me one. It's for people who get it, that they get the fact that God has me here on this planet for something a lot bigger than my safety and my blessing and my protection and my smooth life. That was never God's plan. That's not the plan. He wants ambassadors, and ambassadors do their best work in the middle of whatever the people they're relating to are dealing with. Same storm, different results. That's an ambassador. That's what the world needs to see. Somebody who's right there with them, and they see, oh, experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing, the same problem I'm experiencing. You know, when I read that verse, that he, he tore off a piece and he ate it, he gives thanks, and then the next thing he does is he breaks off a piece and he's eating it. He's demonstrating faith. See, faith is this belief that God is, has a future for us. He's demonstrating faith. I just get this mental picture. Just a few different things came through my mind. The first picture that came to my mind as I saw that, I just saw a single mother who just had some form of typhoon blow through her world. And instead of panicking, she's sitting there with her child or children and laughing and enjoying and playing. You know, maybe, maybe one-third of that is to cover up the pain, but about two-thirds of it is actual faith, knowing that God 
yes, this hurts. Yes, this current little typhoon. I don't know how we're going to work through this, but God, I know you're faithful. I know you're faithful. And she's enjoying, she's demonstrating faith. Faith is demonstrable. The life of an ambassador gets demonstrated in the storm. I just get a a mental picture of somebody in a marriage that's experiencing their own typhoon. I mean, every marriage has a bad day, but somebody who's been had a bad week, month, year, and they know that there's nothing but a storm here, but they trust God, and they're that, that eating is just that stepping forward to continue to love, to continue to serve, to continue to trust God and give God one more chance to work this thing out. You know what I see when I see Paul eating that? I see us. I see me. I see you in the middle of your typhoon. Yeah, the one you're experiencing right now. And about half of you just now thought, oh, how did he know? Because you're on planet Earth. That's how I know. Right in the middle of what's going on in your world, just trusting God. Trusting God, eating by faith, rejoicing by faith, trusting God, taking that next step, doing the right thing, serving, giving. Sometimes that next step is a faith step. It's not, it doesn't, you don't feel it. I I get the impression here that Paul's not just, Paul doesn't have this monstrous appetite. I, I think he's just eating by faith. Let's go. Why? Because there's a future. Everybody say, there's a future. Come on, say, there's a future. We need God's strength because there's a future. There's something out in front of us. I'm talking to somebody here today, and you, didn't, you don't think there is one. Yes, there is. There's a future. There's a good future. And you know what? The trick is start enjoying it now in the middle of the storm. That's faith. And just enjoy it. Enjoy it. What's the worst can happen? We go under. Take your next breath in heaven. Hallelujah. That's why there's always something bigger for us. Get it, gang. If you, how many of you, do you already have faith in Jesus? Raise your hand if you have faith in Jesus. Gang, you're already in. The goose is cooked. It's done. You're in. You're already in the kingdom. J- just the same as when you die and are in heaven. You're, you, you're not more saved in heaven. You're not more in Christ. You're, Now, your surroundings are a lot cooler. Yes, but you're not more saved. It's no longer about your safety. Your safety, your salvation is done. You're already in God's hand. Chill out. Chill out. Let me say that. Let me say that a little rougher. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up and quit praying just about me and my safety and my life and ignoring a world around you that is in utter panic. You can't even see it. You mean mean people around me are in panic? I never noticed that. When you're so self-absorbed, you can't even see that, can you? Paul's got 276 people who can't even eat and he gets it and he sees it. That's an ambassador and that's what God calls us all to. We need to finish the story here. So let me wrap the story up. Here's the story. After, you know, this angel has appeared, Paul urges them all to eat. Everybody takes courage. They start, they, they get full of faith. They do. I mean, you think some people uh, found faith in Jesus Christ on that day. I'll guarantee it. 
man, they felt faith come into them. They, they found Christ. All right, well, the next story is, they, now, I'm, I'm just telling you exactly what the Bible says, that the next morning, uh, the light appeared. I mean, the storm wasn't done yet, but at least you know, there, was, there was some light, and they could see a sandy beach. And the Bible says they cut the anchors, the sailors cut the anchors, and the, you know, the storm was still raging, the wind was still blowing, just to, to sail into the beach. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that they sailed directly into a bar. That's what the Bible says. And in my mind, I can't prove it's not in the Bible, but I, I, I just have this picture that the angel has gone before him and prepared him a margarita. <laughs> it's probably, probably what happened, right? And some of you are like, what? He's... Well, well, let's tell the story a little more accurately. What the Bible actually says is they sailed directly into a sandbar. Not nearly as fun. <laughs> the ship, and, and we don't know exactly how far, but I've listened to people who know this area of the country and say probably somewhere about 200 yards off of shore, the ship hit a sandbar. And the front of the ship stuck fast, and the back of the ship, the storm is, is so violent that the waves are literally, they're watching as each wave is smashing the back of the ship and literally tearing it apart, splinters of the ship. I mean, each wave, a new board is flying off this ship, okay? Now, just stop again. Just stop here and let's back up and take an outsider's look. For heaven's sakes, didn't an angel just appear to Paul like the day before? Really? Okay, God. And another little interesting part of the story is... This ship, if you, you can look on a map and see the exact where they landed, they've been going straight as a string from where they took off to where they were trying to take Paul. I mean, the whole goal is to get Paul to stand before Caesar for a trial. That's what the angel said to him, that he's going to stand before Caesar. Right? If you look at a map, they went straight as a string for you know, over 200 miles, straight as a string. They probably set a speed record across the Mediterranean. But now get this. Think about this. God gets them 200 miles straight as a string, and then they get stuck 200 yards offshore? And the Bible says that they had to either jump off and swim to shore with waves so violent that it's smashing a ship. Who thinks that's a good, that's a, that's a cool 200-yard swim, right? And on the other side of the sandbar, it could be, you know, very, very deep. Sandbars are that way. It's not like they can just walk. I mean, it's, so they either had to swim or float on chunks of the ship that had been come apart. What's the story there? Why in the world? I mean, God sent this angel to confirm God's blessing. Why the last 200 yards? I hope that you've learned this about God. Because if you haven't, your whole Christian experience is going to be confusing. You need to realize that God, 99% of the time, not always, sometimes he'll get you all the way there, but 99% of the time, God wants you to have some skin in the game. He's just that way. He doesn't want to do it all. He doesn't want to get you right to that shore and just sail you right up to the beach. He wants you to swim that last 200. Do you know know what I'm talking about? He wants you to jump in. He wants your effort, your energy, you to jump, you to trust him. And that's going to involve some swimming and some violent seas on occasion. That's going to involve some scary steps. Anybody have to take some scary steps in order to obey God? Anybody have to do that? He wants that you don't see that, you think, no, what God wants is just, you know, just to come through and work everything out. God is working it out. Swim, Bubba. (laughs) 
That's how he works. All right. They all get to shore. And here's the next part. It's not often that these islanders get to see a huge ship smashed apart on their shore. So a huge part of the islanders have come out to watch this show. It's the island of Malta. They come out to watch the show. And the Bible says it's cold and rainy, obviously, on shore. And, and all 276 people make it safely to shore. And the Bible says the islanders are building a fire for them to warm them up because it's, you know, it's cold and rainy. And this is the next chapter, by the next story. And if you're like me, the next story is even more strange. So Paul is on shore now. He's gathering wood to, to you know, help build this fire to warm up. And the Bible says that he throws his wood on the fire and a viper driven out by the heat from the fire latches itself and bites Paul on the hand and is hanging on his hand at least long enough for all these islanders to see it. And the Bible says the islanders said to themselves, oh, he must be a criminal. Fate wouldn't allow him to live. He escaped the sea, but fate won't allow him to live. And the Bible says they all expected him to die quickly. Now, why do they expect him to die quickly? Because they know these vipers. They know these snakes. These, these are their buddies. They've been living with these things their whole life. This isn't the first guy they've seen getting bit, gotten bit. But then after Paul, the Bible says Paul just shook it off into the fire. And then after they watched for a while, he just went back to work. He just shook it off. Yeah. Goes back to work, gathering more firewood. And, that, and the people just watching him. They're watching Paul. Now, by the way, isn't that what we want? Don't we want the world to, to be paying attention to us? They want the world to pay attention to our gospel. They want the world to, we want the world to hear what we have to say, right? Anybody want the world to hear what we have to say? Yeah? Well, all you have to do is get bit by their snake. That's all you got to do. Simple. Simple. You want a platform? Check this out. Now, just, just hang on. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. Same storm, different results. Same snake, different results. You got to get this. Ambassadors are the people that God can use. God knows they're big boys. They've taken off their pull-up. They got their big boy pants on. And they get it. That life isn't just about them. And God can put them in some really tough spots and they get it. Like, ah, I need to identify because people only listen when they identify with you. That snake gave him immediate credibility with all these people. He shakes that off and the islanders immediately change their mind. They go on to say, oh, he must be a god. And now when he's talking to them, he has a captive audience. Same storm, different results. Same snake, now, we like the different results, don't we? We like that part. I like that part. We don't like the same storm and the same snake, though, do we? That's our life, gang. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I'm going to wrap this up. But I wonder if there's anybody here, and just as you listen to me, you recognize that maybe, just maybe, you've been misinterpreting your own typhoons. Maybe you've been wasting some years in freak-out mode because you just never really got it. You just, you just haven't realized that God's trying to give you a platform. God wants to use you. God wants you to display faith to a world that's going under. If that's you, and just as you're listening to me, you, you just, the Spirit of God has just touched your heart 
and you're seeing a little bit different. You're seeing your life a little different. You're seeing your future a little different. You're seeing the potential of being, of living, pray for one. Living your life saying, God, send me one person today. God, help me to identify, to connect. Help me to be an ambassador. Help me to share your love with this lost world. If that's you and you, again, you recognize that you need to start interpreting your life a little bit differently. Nobody's looking around, but would you raise your hand up right there where you're seated? Just raise your hand up. Say, man, that's me. That's me. I want a different vision. I want a different faith. I want a different vision of my future. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for every hand that is lifted. Open our eyes. God, don't let us live blind like the world is blind and seeing every problem, every little storm as our own little disaster. God, help us to see you. We want to be an ambassador. Fill us with your spirit. Open our eyes. We want to represent you everywhere we go. That's our life. That's our calling. That's the life we live, and that's what we want. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody says...